Sunday morning, in fact, Terry has been um, walking us through, you know, the fact that words matter. You know, God created through the word. God speaks to us through the word. And so we've been looking at, at four words on a Sunday morning of uh, propitiation, redemption, justification, and reconciliation. And as I was thinking about that and looking at this passage, my thought was, I can't just let Pastor Terry have all fun of going through these words, so i got to go through some words too. So that's what we're going to do this evening. So please follow with me as I read tonight, uh, starting in verse 12. It says, Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so as we look at these couple of verses and we start to work through them, we can uh, divide them basically into two categories here, what, what the Father has done for us as believers, and then what we as believers receive because of what he's done. So... Uh, First, we're going to look at what God the Father has done for us. And we look at verse 12, and we see that the Father, here it says, has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. It's a word that the, the Greek to English dictionary defines as to call to be adequate. It can be translated as to make sufficient or, or to qualify. Um, another dictionary adds that it's a definition of to render fit. To render fit. Um, among our English translations, most of them translated as qualified, but the King James translates as it has made us meet. Uh, meet there meaning proper or, or suitable. So if we, we look at this, we see if we've been um, qualified, or we've been made fit, or we've been made suitable for something, then we must have at one time been unqualified, or unfit, or unsuitable. And those who are qualified here, it says in verse 12, are qualified to share in an inheritance. And the ones who share in the inheritance or the children. And so the, the way that God has qualified us is by adopting us as his very own children. Probably the, the passage that comes to mind most readily when thinking about this idea of adoption is it comes from Romans 8. And there Paul writes, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Ephesians 1 says that he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. You see this incredible thing that God has done. And, and this 
incredible picture of what he has done for us. We, we know that children, children don't decide to be adopted. They don't adopt themselves. They, they don't earn their adoption. But parents, out, out of love for an orphan child, or, or whatever the case may be, that they choose to adopt the child doing so, that, that adopted child is just as much of the fam part of the family as it was if it had been biological. The inheritance is just as much the, the, uh, the adopted child as the biological child. There's, there's no difference. In my mind, when I was thinking about this, what the, the first thing that, that came to mind was the, uh, I thought about the, the abandoned and the orphan children in uh, Mongolia. Um, many times they actually live under the street uh, because it's the only place they can find to stay warm when it's negative 40 degrees outside. And, and we think about what an incredible blessing it would be for a family to take one of those children out from, from under the street and to take them to, into their home and to make them one of their own. Give them a room and, and food to eat and send them to school and love them and care for them and provide for them. And we think as wonderful as all that is, as much of a blessing as all that is, it's nowhere near what God has done in, in, in adopting us as believers as his children. We read in scripture that, that God adopted us when we were morally evil spiritually sick, slaves to sin, blind to truth, lovers of darkness, children of wrath, enemies of his, and spiritually dead. That's, that's how scripture defines non-believers. And yet because of his great love, God had, had determined from eternity past to, to adopt those he would save and would give an inheritance of eternal life to those who are in him. He is qualified see another word also in verse 13. This word means to rescue from danger. It, it, it might be translated as, as save or rescue or deliver. Um, one source I looked at said it, it kind of gets to the vision of being, being snatched away from danger. Our English trans translations, they, they translate this as deliver. Except for New American Standard, and it translates it as rescue. And again, this, this is, you know, it's something that God the Father has done to us who believe. It, and it's inherent in the word that it must be done to us from someone else. That people don't rescue or deliver themselves. Someone has to. Had to have a rescuer or a deliverer. And we're delivered, it says in verse 13, from the domain of darkness. Uh, this is the way that, that Scripture speaks uh, of that which is evil or, or sinful or wicked or, or corrupt. Um, Paul writes in Ephesians 6 For we do not wrestle against flesh. 
in John 3. And he says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works be exposed. We love darkness. And, and I, thinking about this, we, we were rescued, we were delivered when we didn't want to be. The, the very thing that we loved in our lostness was taking us to an eternity in hell, and God snatched us away and rescued us from it. When we look at this and think about this, what, what came to mind was the um, scene of the church
that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Again, many of the same words, the same concepts that we're seeing here in Colossians 1 this evening. Jesus says he sends Paul that these might be done. So we see that our, our rescue from darkness was not just away from danger and, and back to some sort of neutral state. But rather it was from darkness and evil and sent into the kingdom of his beloved son in which we are now co-heirs. A kingdom in which there is blessing and peace and joy and in this abundant eternal life. And all of this done by God because of his love for us. And because the Father has, has done these things all these things we've just discussed, then we receive from him. And we, we see first in verse 14 that we receive redemption in Jesus. Uh, where it means to, to release from a captive condition. Translated as release, redemption, or deliverance. We mentioned this uh, briefly a little earlier, but anyone who is not born again Anyone who is not a Christian is a slave to sin. We see that in John 8. Where he says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So we must be, must be set free from this bondage to sin through redemption. Another dictionary says it this way. Everywhere in the New Testament that this word is used, it's used metaphorically. Talk about the, the deliverance that's effected through the death of Jesus from the retributive or, or from the punishing wrath of a holy God and the merited or earned or deserved penalty of sin. So we've earned and we deserve the punishing wrath of God because of sin. And our release from the captive condition here comes through the death of Christ in our place. Finally, in verse 14, we see that we have received forgiveness. We have received forgiveness. The act of, of freeing from an obligation of guilt or punishment, pardon or cancellation. It's, um, in, in our English version, it's, it's translated across the board as forgiveness. It, it immediately brings to mind, as I look at these words, the verses that Paul would write a little bit later on in chapter 2 of Colossians. It says, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So how was our debt canceled? It was canceled by having our sins considered to be the sins of another. And those sins being paid for in full by him through his death on the cross. Again, as we've been reminded for several Sunday mornings now, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake he made him who knew no sin to 
who made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's all God's doing. It's what he has done to save us, to redeem us, to make a people for himself. Reminded of Jonathan Edwards, who said this, the only thing you contribute, that we contribute to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. He has rescued us from the So when these verses and these concepts and these doctrines really, when they really begin to sink in to our minds and our hearts, when they really start to become the, the subject of our thoughts, and, and the wonderings of our minds, then true thanksgiving and true worship and true praise follows for all that he has done. Thanks be to God for such a salvation to undeserved sinners. And let's pray. Father, we do indeed thank you for these things that we have read tonight. Lord, these words